0: Uh... <laughs> Welcome to the JLA Casks, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. My name is John and I'm a writer
1: and creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ and I'm the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. Now, uh, we were just talking about it
0: off air, but I think it's important to bring up that not all heroes wear capes, PJ. No, they don't. And The Flash doesn't wear a cape. No, indeed, and uh, we and neither does Flash Jr., <laughs> uh, your little babby, uh, and neither does... Um, well, I, I've been fixing a dishwasher. That feels heroic in some That's way. That's pretty heroic. You're a big damn hero. Yeah. Uh, so, just in terms of... Um, I don't know if it's easier to use minutes or hours, but how much sleep have you had, PJ? Uh,
1: over the last two nights, over the two nights, probably about five, six hours. Wow. Do you, have you
0: reached the point where, due to exhaustion, the comic has taken on the quality of one of those um, motion comics that Marvel
1: would publish straight to DVD in the early 2000s? Oh, wow, those. (laughs) Uh, Not quite there yet, although I did find myself nodding off while I was trying to read it last night. And through, you know, no fault of the comic either. The comic is great. I love this comic. But, uh, yeah, just that's how tired I am. Uh, we were watching... Did you watch Eurovision, PJ? Uh, no, I didn't. By choice or... Uh... No, by, by choice. I'm not really a, a oh, Eurovision guy. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we, we watched uh, we watched
0: Eurovision last night. I believe with a friend of yours, PJ. I've got lots of friends. You, you're you a very popular person. uh Louis? oh i know louis yes yes indeed hi louis yes hi uh, he's he's here today he's having a good time uh <laughs> yes very very kindly uh, uh louis and beck hosted a eurovision party uh, there was a lot of um chocolate which was delightful and um i fell asleep during the um scoring bit because that takes forever that's the dull bit isn't it it's just like I've- hours of people saying numbers I know. And then I thankfully I woke up about half an hour later and nothing had changed just in time to see who'd won. Um but yeah, it was it was uh it was perfectly fine. I an underwhelming year. Um, you know, I'll just say not not one of the best years, but hmm. you know, fine. Um and I have another outing this evening, PJ, planned. For more Eurovision? Did someone record it? No, but I am off to experience um well, I'm going to the cinema. Oh. Ooh. To the see, Cineplex. The Cineplex, yes. To to see Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh, ooh. have you seen it yet, Peter? I have not. No. In- interesting. Well, I will. I I have so I've somehow managed to avoid. Well, I say somehow. It's no real mystery. Um, I think I've been slowly drifting away from the Marvel uh, cinematic stuff for. Mm. I think gradually over the last year. So I haven't seen anything of uh i haven't seen any trailers i've managed to avoid that entirely and i think i just completely skipped quantum mania
1: i haven't seen quantum mania yet but that's because i can't really go to the cinema at the moment i'll probably well, watch it when it arrives on disney plus late next week yeah
0: i think that's it i mean I, I don't know what's wrong with me i'm like i i love ant-man i've always loved ant-man yeah. Uh, I love Kang. I have always had a deep and abiding love for Kang. Yes. Thank you,
1: Kurt Busick. That's entirely... Well, no, part of it is Roger Stern as well. Some of the stuff Roger Stern did with Kang was great. I have not read any of that, but I'm going to
0: go on a limb here and suggest that a lot of Avengers Forever references that. Yes, what? it does. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean um, that one issue of Avengers Forever by Busick and Carlos. Pa- I'm gonna. I always pronounce his name wrong. Pacheco, Ka- I think. Pacheco, yeah. Um, it, which which attempts to tell the entire potted history of Kang the Conqueror in one issue is amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I love I love the character, and yet it's like one of my favorite heroes and possibly my favorite villain in a movie together. And I just was like, ah, oh, I. T- I think I know exactly what this is going to be. I I, I don't think I'm interested.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I think it doesn't help that the last few Marvel films haven't... They've not been bad, but they've not been great either. Like, Thor was okay. Black Panther was okay. You know, Doctor Strange was okay. All of them had bits in it that I really liked. Like, they'd be, oh, that was good. And then the rest of it was like, eh, you know... <clears throat>
0: I know it's weird isn't it like maybe I'm the worst kind of fan it just like what an embarrassment of riches and yet you know I I, I personally I never imagined we would see the vision on screen yeah Uh, that that blew my mind Um, but yeah I don't know I just realized like certainly with as of late I felt like going to see the latest movie was starting to feel like an obligation rather than something I
1: actively really wanted to see yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean. Fandom can get that way, can't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe something will come along that will like really, you know, light a fire under me and I'll, I'll want to, and, and and I don't know. I'm not saying that like James Gunn is perfect, no. but his movies do have a certain energy to them. Uh, like I was surprised how much I enjoyed The Suicide Squad. That was I've a real kind of... I've still not
1: seen it. It's a film with Starro in it and I've still not watched it.
0: It had like there's something. It's it's not a masterpiece. I, you know, I'm just gonna gonna couch that there. But but at the same time, it's it's got a good sense of humor and it feels like it's written with a degree of like heart and uh, consideration. And I really enjoyed it. It
1: Had me laughing quite a bit. I want to see it. I do. I mean, everyone knows I love a Starro. I'm, I'm wearing my Justice League of America issue one t-shirt at the moment with Starro oh, front PJ, and center oh. on that cover. Wearing that right now as we speak. What and, amazing theming. And yeah, but I just, I haven't got round to it. I think the problem with the DC films is the first few were so, I thought they were so bad that I just, I couldn't get excited. And so I didn't bother going to see any of the rest in the cinema. And it's sort of like, I'll catch them as and when on streaming. So, and there's still that part of me that even though I don't need to do this, feels like, well, I could watch The Suicide Squad, but I'd need to watch Shazam and. Harley Quinn first.
0: I would say that as someone who had not done that background um, Mm. research, if you will, I I enjoyed The Suicide Squad perfectly on its own. Yeah. I think it's probably best to not think of it as part of a bigger continuity because clearly they aren't. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, PJ, did we, I can't remember, did we ever address the fact that... There is going
1: to be an authority movie on the podcast.: I think we briefly touched on it, but we, we didn't dive into it in any depth, certainly. I mean, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, P.J, because I was a big I was a big fan of the authority
0: originally, uh, and then it kind of petered out as a series, and a lot of its kind of potential just disappeared. And certainly looking back on a lot of the Mark Miller scuff on the mm. authority. I know we like to rag on him, but it was very uh it was very uh deliberately confrontational in a way that seems a little childish in hindsight. Yeah. And I guess my point is the uh the USP of the authority is what if the Justice League uh just took it into their own hands to do whatever they want uh, uh unaccountable to anyone and killed people as their first kind of yeah. response. So the idea was that heroes who were basically assholes, hmm. but you kind of loved them anyway, like they were anti-heroes, um, and yeah. they did kind of, hmm. kind of get the comeuppance for their own actions. Um, my point is, for a, for a regular movie-going audience, for the general public, how is that any different to
1: Zack Snyder's for Justice League? Exactly. Exactly. Although my my guess is that with the Flash and doing the Flashpoint thing that's effectively going to reboot the DC film universe and so then they start over. Like they've already said they're recasting Superman. They're going to go with a younger. And they've used the word more hopeful Superman for his Mm. solo film in this slate. So yeah, I I feel like these new DC films are going to hew a bit more closely to the comic versions of those characters, potentially as it should have done from the start.
0: I mean, that's the wild thing, isn't it? To, like... Uh, I remember I had a teacher back in the day who used to say, you know, I always took two bites of the cherry, you know, when I was trying to do something. He's like, do it the first time. Like, don't don't half-ass it and then do it again. like. And it, it's like, I, I don't want to say it's too little too late, because I don't know there's an, there's a hunger for this sort of thing. And mm. if they get it right, it might turn people around. But it's also like, what a I da- I don't know. It just feels like the cultural damage has been done, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And I, I don't know, comic book fans are used to reboots endlessly. And, you know, in films, you have different versions of characters. We've had however many Supermans and Batmans over the years and everything. But this is the first time where we've had... Like, a shared universe have a hard reset. Oh, my God. And, of course, it's DC doing it. Of course it is.
0: Oh, my God. I hadn't even clicked. That's so on
1: point. Yeah, of course it is. So, yeah, how it goes over... Because there are going to be people who go to see these films who haven't been watching for the announcements on the internet, haven't been scouring it to find out what happens next. And so when The Flash potentially has... It's got Ben Affleck in it as Bruce Wayne, and then it's got Michael Keaton in it as well. And don't get me wrong, I want to see that film purely for Michael Keaton's Batman because I love those two films. Mm. And I love his version of the character. But the rest of it I'm like, oh dear. And then when the general cinema going public goes to watch it, what the hell are they gonna think? Have you I haven't actually seen the trailer. Have you have you seen the trailer for The Flash? I have, and the Michael Keaton scenes get me very excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's that very cynical element of multiverses are very hot right now because yeah. you can bring back old actors. I mean,
1: I mean, oh god, Marvel did it with um, Spider Man. Yeah, and Marvel did it very well. To be fair, I'd say for me that's the last great Marvel film at the moment.
0: That's that's not a bad shout actually. Like I I went into Spider Man thinking, thinking this felt a bit cynical. And I thought, oh, it'll probably be fine. And I have to say, like, I it actually I actually really enjoyed it. And I was surprised at how I guess it's just for power of nostalgia. I was surprised at how moving it was when the Danny
1: Elfman Spider-Man theme started yep. playing. Yep. But I think the reason that worked as well as it did is because the Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider Men weren't there just as a cynical cash grab they moved tom holland spidey's story along they they helped him develop his character and also you know you got some very nice moving stuff for their own characters particularly garfield his (laughs) the resolution to him saving mj when he couldn't save gwen and all of that stuff is is really Mm. well done like it gives me a lump in the throat when i watch that that yes I, well, yeah, it actually made me
0: care about Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Yeah. Because I remember watching uh, The Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. and having quite a visceral reaction going like, this is wrong. There's something weird about this. Mm-hmm. I, like, it, this seems a confused movie. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one. The, uh, here's, here's a question for you. Wasn't Morrison attached to write The Flash? movie they
1: were yeah yeah i don't know if they actually did write anything and if that's made it into the film or not but they were definitely part of the project at some point
0: because i'd say that like this movie has had an insane amount of of rewrites but i think that's actually not really giving it the credit it deserves what i mean to say is this movie has been scrapped and reimagined so many times Mm, like because it went through about even five, six years ago, or whenever it was, they said that, like, it had had three potential directors, yeah. four scripts, you know. except they were kind of trying to polish the same project and make it work. And then I think at some point they just scrapped the whole
1: thing. Yeah.
0: And were like, oh, let's do Multiverse, let's do Flashpoint, and yeah. completely
1: recreated it. Yeah, let's let's take this character's first movie and use that to reset everything because we messed up so badly. Ah, <sighs> my God.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, what a mess, honestly. Did you um did you ever read anything about the f- um failed George Miller Justice League movie?
1: Yeah, it had a really interesting cast. Um it was ready to go. I think it was one of those projects that the and funny enough we're we'll talking about this now but that the writers strike <laughs> in 2007, obviously we will talk about this while there is another writers strike going on, but the 2007 writers strike is what killed the George Miller Justice League film and okay you know, I'm with the writers, I was then, I am now, I am a writer, you know, <laughs> I want writers to get paid and get paid well, but you still can't help but feel a little bit sad about some of the fallout of these things. So, and, you know, George Miller's Justice League is very much something I would have liked to have seen. Well, indeed, and and it's always very easy to, um, you know, idolise the
0: thing you didn't get, but you read about it, and it, it did sound interesting. Yeah. And, uh. I think, God, I, I I don't know who the actor was. It may have been the actor they had in line to play The Flash. But I think in this piece I was reading, they interviewed him. And he said that, like, he'd actually gone as far as flying out to Australia mm. to do, like, preliminary shooting when the project got canned. Yeah. So I think apparently him and his partner just had a nice little holiday and then came home. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's uh, It is wild, because I guess if that had come to fruition, then... Because I remember I was uh, living in Canada when the writer's strike kind of hit. It was like 2007, time Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And I remember at the end of my year in in, in the country, uh, we had The Dark Knight and Iron Man came out. Mm. And I think also Incredible Hulk around the same time. Yeah, that was only a couple of months after Iron Man. And it was a weird few few months where like you're getting all these big tentpole kind of marvel dc movies but that were kind of on the cusp of something big and i guess if if the george miller thing had been kind of like filming around the same time then maybe like 2009 2010
1: we would have got that movie
0: the landscape
1: would have changed completely yeah yeah it really would have because i you know i don't know if the plan was for that to then spin off into solo movies for those characters and the actors playing them because obviously it would have been it wasn't christian bale playing batman um, it was arnie hammer army Ham, yeah army hammer and um yes would we have then got his batman movie or it's 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 one of those yeah big what ifs isn't it like ah, oh, i wish i'd love to have seen that because george miller is such an interesting filmmaker as well anyway oh sure yeah i mean absolutely
0: and it actually sounded like um it sounded as though the script was, um, I'm trying to find the right way of saying this, like a real movie. Yeah. By which I mean, it kind of, they before we had these preconceptions about what like a big budget Marvel movie is, Uh, they would just hire screenwriters. Mm. And so it had like three acts and like a kind of like beginning, middle and end and just a, a structure. And now, and I, I mean this both as a positive and a negative, now it it feels like a Marvel movie is a Marvel movie first and foremost. Like there's certain beaks. It's a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. But I remember like, um, going back and rewatching, I mean, Lucy and I, we rewatched, uh, Thor, mm. Captain America and Iron Man, like the real kind of like phase one stuff. And it's amazing how much I found myself enjoying like Thor and Captain America. Yeah. Which were not seen as like, you know, everyone was like, Oh, Iron Man was the big one. But like, um, they feel so quaint now. Like Captain America, it feels like a real movie. Yeah. Like it, it has was, actual structure and character development.
1: That was my favourite of those solo movies from the first phase, definitely. I, I loved it. I think the period setting helped it. It had a real fun like movie serial vibe to it that I really enjoyed. And yeah, I, I think that first Captain America film is great. We, um... We uh we actually ended
0: up rewatching uh the 1994 or 5 Power Rangers movie.
1: Oh, the the Mighty Morphin one where they've got the plastic suits yeah. and yeah, yeah.
0: And I have to say while it's not a cinematic masterpiece, <laughs> I was impressed by I was like this is better than I thought it would be. In hindsight. Okay. I'm like, it's not like okay, with the caveat of it's not Citizen Kane. But at the same time, it felt like a bunch of people trying to make the best version of a Power Rangers movie they could. Yeah. As in so again, saying it's not great, but they're actually filming on location and you know, they have extras and mm-hmm. there's a bit of a plot and Ivan News is just like chewing the scenery. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of thought put into this. Not great, but I, I'm so shocked now to see actors on on location where there is – I don't want to be too much of an old man about it, but there is so much green screen and CGI yeah. nowadays.
1: Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Always, it always, you just go, oh, my God, they're really there. <laughs> like, it has a different energy. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. I agree. I haven't watched that movie for – decades but <laughs> i did i did watch the reunion the 30th anniversary mighty morphin special uh was it once and always or something yes. I think yeah i did watch that the other day and i gotta say i went in expecting just like a 45 minute episode of mighty morphin power rangers that is exactly what i got so i had a great time no no pj no pj you got a 55 minute episode ah of... apologies yeah so <laughs> i got even, what i wanted even more amazing content i got what i wanted and you know what i like about that i'm i'm can't believe I'm about to do this about Power Rangers. But what I like about the first few series of Power Rangers is they didn't hire actors. They hired martial artists and dancers. So the fight scenes are actually pretty good in those first few series. We,
0: uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's so bizarre. Like we we ended up watching uh, ep- the, the very first episode again. Mm. And again, with the caveat of it's not great. You know, as in, like, it's not, like, artistically great. At the same time, there was an energy to it. And and, and, and it's so kind of, like, weird. It really did feel like the stars aligned. Like, I mm. loved Power Rangers as a kid, but I can kind of understand why it was such a global phenomenon. Because it just seemed like... Well, A, I mean, I was, I was shocked by this. All the original casks, beautiful. Hm. Like... Every single one of them, I'm like, my God, these are, these are some handsome boys and girls who are <laughs> off saving the world. Like yeah. they, they, you know, and, and they're, they're dancers and gymnasts, gymnasts and martial artists or whatever. So, like, yeah, they may not have been the best actors, but, you know, they had a certain screen presence. And, and they were really good at kicking. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and then now they're in their 50s or mm-hmm.
1: whatever. And, um, you know, they had a nice holiday in New Zealand and shot a special yeah and i was here for it i was like do you know what it's doing exactly what i want it to do i'm having fun ah yeah i had fun as well look there's kicking there's a megazord i'm happy
0: (laughs) (laughs) pj from one seminal team of superheroes to another Hmm. uh hey that was good what on earth are we talking about this week
1: uh we are talking about issue two of of jla year one which is the post-crisis pre-flashpoint JLA, not the JLA who did meet the Power Rangers in that crossover they did a few years ago. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> that did happen, didn't it? Wow. Yeah, it's a fun comic as well, I recommend. But no, today but that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at JLA Year One, issue two, which I want to start with the cover.
0: Um, oh,
1: yeah, great cover. Obviously, so issue one, we've seen the formation of the this version of the JLA Flash, Green Lantern, Black Canary, Martian Manhunter, and Aquaman. Getting together to fight some aliens and then fight some scientists, uh, evil scientists, I should say. They're not just <laughs> just turned up at a lab. They're happened. not like they're not anti-science in principle. <laughs> they're not creationists. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and yeah, at the end of the issue, they've agreed. Well, maybe we should do this on the regular.
0: Uh, indeed, and uh, you know, I, as you said, PJ, this is a uh, post-crisis, uh, pre. Flashpoint, pre Final Crisis, pre Infinite Crisis, post Regular Crisis, but also kind of chronologically before Crisis in Universe. Yeah. um, (laughs) Try not to think about it too hard, listener. Um, But yeah, um, it's a lovely, it's a lovely cover, and uh, we talked about it last episode. But I was not really familiar with Barry Kitson's work. I am very impressed. He's a very understated artist.
1: Yeah, it's the cover's simply the five members of the league walking out of, of a door and waving to a, a gathered throng of journalists. And you've got Al Barry, Dinah and Arthur, all sort of smiling and John there with a bit of a scowl. Um, <laughs> but then you get the journalists in the foreground, one of whom is Clark Kent in his, his old nineteen fifty style press hat with a bit of card in the, in the band and his glasses and his notepad, um, which actually brings me on to a point about this series that I I wanted to to mention here, which is, one thing I like about this book, Superman's going to appear, uh, he's going to turn up, he has to, but he's not a main character in it, but you can kind of feel his presence throughout the story, even when he's not around, you know, because this is the dawn of the Silver Age, the dawn of the modern DC superhero, and Superman was the first of them, Mm. and you kind of get this that is is hanging over this story and and superman is there people know about superman and yet he just you just you feel his his presence throughout the whole thing i think in a in a really nice way
0: and that's that's the odd thing isn't it and it this is something i you know touched upon last last uh, episode but the weirdness of in this telling superman not being a founding member of the league cuz For me, Superman is so integral to any incarnation of the League now that it's Mm. weird when he's not around. Um, So, yeah, this weird little quirk where, as you say, these are almost... um, Oh, it's like when uh, DC did um, the original 52. The Mm. idea that, like, for one year of continuity, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman aren't around. Yeah. So we're going to focus on everyone else. And um, it feels a bit like that to some extent. Like... It's weird that they're called the like if they if they were called the Fantastic 5 or something I'd be like, "Oh okay, this is a this is a book about um this team of B-list heroes trying to make a name for themselves, of themselves in a world where there is a Superman." But it's interesting that they're the Justice League and I've got that kind of future future knowledge of knowing that
1: these guys are going to be big. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird that Superman isn't part of them, but you're right, it's nice that he's around. Yeah, exactly exactly like we don't even see him in this issue we're going to see some other characters in this issue this issue this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. Uh, but again you just sort of feel that he's around um what's i gonna ask
0: it, it's wild to me that this came out in february uh, 1998 mm. and i want to say that like a lot of just as an example um the heroes reborn
1: stuff over at marvel was that like 1996 uh nine. T six and 97 because onslaught was ninety six so yeah it would have started sort of autumn ninety six and run into autumn ninety seven I think because it didn't last long did it? Is it one year and yes because then we go into
0: Avengers Volume three with music mm. and Perez and the heroes return and all that yeah um so isn't it wild to think that like this is like just over a year from the publication my point is the artwork and how different it is like you everything you think of as the 90s could be embodied by something like heroes reborn yeah and then i i'm amazed i'm very glad actually that dc was publishing a mainstream superhero book around this time that looked like this yes because this is so classy by comparison
1: <laughs> yeah it doesn't feel like and I'm using the term in its nineties sense. It doesn't feel image. Yes, indeed, yeah. Or, or um, it's not uh,
0: extreme. Yeah, like the Rob Leefield imprint. Yes, um, it's 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 so charming. I'm I'm kind of amazed, really. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, uh, our fledgling league have decided to uh, you know stick around as a team, and. Uh, you know, now we're starting to deal with the implications of that. Um, PJ, in canon
1: at this point, just out of interest, mm. does
0: Wonder Woman exist yet?
1: Uh, no, I don't think she... I think she's in, in universe. It's a year or two of her appearing, I, I think. Yes. And at this point in canon, PJ,
0: does a certain caped crusader... Uh, he's still an urban legend?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. there are There are people who believe in him obviously but uh, and say no no the batman's real and then other people are like there's no such thing as a batman what are you talking about but superman is very much like the catch of the day like yes. he's
0: yeah everyone knows and loves superman basically yeah okay right so scene set should we dive in pj let's dive uh, i was about to say for some reason we cut to the moon i i but it's not the moon it's we not can really, moon. we can see the moon uh we cut to a pyramid maybe it's one of the Great Pyramids, maybe it's ex- another pyramid um hiding somewhere um <laughs> but uh a man in a robe is giving a man in a
1: coat a tour of what looks like his own private museum yeah it's it's a collection of ancient artifacts, like there's a sword in an anvil, there's a spear, there's some scrolls, some stone tablets, a skull, a helmet, all that good stuff, and um. Yeah, and uh, wasting no time, we learned that uh, the
0: the man who owns this place uh, is Vandal Savage. Always nice to see. Always nice to see Vandal Savage. Um, uh, a, a character whose um, characterization changes a fair bit, but I, but I think actually works given that he is very 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 old. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I actually quite like Vandal Savage in DC One Million. Yes. Same. Yeah. Morrison does a fun Vandal Savage. Um and I think also Vandal Savage turns up in The Return of Bruce Wayne, uh also by Morrison, but set during um Wild West Cowboy era time. I've not read it. Only at that point he is very much out of his mind on Laudanum, uh <laughs> and not really thinking straight while Batman turns up and does his thing. Uh, but anyway, sorry, PJ. Yes, he has a guest who is a representative from Locus, who is the group of mad scientists.
1: Well, evil, evil
0: scientists. Evil scientists uh, who are requesting his help.
1: Yeah, they, um, they've got an end game in mind. They don't, re- don't get it revealed here, but they say to Vandal Savage, and, and, you know, we've got similar end games, and superheroes are starting to pop back up. You don't want that, do you? And an interesting piece here, Vandal Savage says, no, I don't, uh, which is why I shut down the JSA a generation ago with a few well-placed senators. So the idea that Vandal Savage is the reason the JSA, the Justice Society, stopped existing, that I like that a lot. Because in, in this continuity, the idea is that
0: the Justice Society were active kind of during the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, And then there was a bill or a law passed, wasn't there, which forced them to disband or something like the anti-costumed vigilante act or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, Which clearly has not stopped uh, a new era of superheroes arising. Um, But yeah, so uh, basically Vandal Savage is, uh, you know, frustrated because heroes are coming back. Um, And for a man who has failed so many times in his long life... um, he seems uh, confident in the predictable nature of costumed heroes, and uh, uh, yeah, basically says you know there's Superman and Batman, of course. Um, there's a Green Arrow in Star City. There's talk of an Atom. Mm-hmm. We may well be the, this may well be the beginning of a heroic renaissance, and I will not allow it. And he
1: crunches up the uh, copy of the Daily Daily Planet he's holding. Yeah, with the with the Justice League on its cover. And the Locust scientist says, well, you've already got a plan. And and Vandal Savage says, I have indeed put four chess pieces into motion. All kings. And he's basically recruited some other supervillains to go and take down the JLA. Uh, yes, indeed. And they are an odd bunch.
0: Yeah. Um, because we have Solomon Grundy. Born on a Monday. Uh, Eclipso. Born on a uh, midnight. Uh, born at night. <laughs> uh we have Clayface. Born with Grace. Uh and we have not Poison Ivy, but Thorn. Just born. Yeah, uh, who um I, oh, I don't know much about PJ, but I, I feel may have been a JSA villain.
1: I think so, yeah. Thorn is the one I'm least familiar with on on this page. Um obviously I know Eclipso has fought Green Lantern and um uh Captain Marvel and Superman There was a team up where he fought them And, and turned up fighting a few villains Obviously Clayface is a Bat villain and, and Solomon Grundy, everybody loves Where did Solomon Grundy first turn up? I can't remember I think I think he was a Golden Age character Who then got revamped in the Silver Age I think there, I think in
0: Is it in the Amalgam Books Where don't they combine Bruce Banner And Solomon Grundy I yeah. Think, yeah. You get like a I didn't know who that as a kid, I had no idea what was going on, but I think you just get like a kind of white a white skinned hulk like creature. Which I is think.
1: basically what Grundy is anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um he's everyone's most favourite hench zombie, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh and uh yeah, and basically uh Savage has got them all to work for him because he's um you know, he's he's kind of promising them all something with his incredible resources which will help them but in the case of Solomon Grundy he doesn't actually need anything he's just you know kind of just telling him what to do and he'll do it
1: yeah yeah and vandal savage just teleports them away ready for ready for a battle for a man as smart as allegedly as smart and
0: brilliant as vandal savage um this doesn't seem like the best plan
1: like the, the these are not like a list villains i would say well, I don't think they they've worked out who the A list heroes and villains are at this point. Oh, I see. So but no one's been seeded yet. Yeah, exactly. They haven't done the league table. Right. Yeah. There's no
0: Prometheus. Or... <laughs>
1: um,
0: but we cut from that to uh, a lovely scene, uh, which is Aquaman sitting on a pier, um, reading uh, a children's uh, a children's like reading book as he's uh, kind of. Teaching
1: himself or perfecting his English. Yeah. And he's talking about, may I have a, please have an apple? And he's like, okay, that's, that's all right. And then he says, dad parks his car in the driveway. Wait, why doesn't dad drive his car in the driveway? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Restraint says, how does anybody know what any of these words mean? And then Jean turns up and I love this as well says, learn German first. It's more logical. That's what I did. Um,
0: uh there is a uh a comic artist operating in the uk called jack tempest who is a very very cool lovely man a friend of ours a friend of the show and uh he told me about this scene years ago oh really yeah before i ever actually read this um uh read this book and uh, i actually own a print of jack's which is of the justice league Mm. and i always remember saying to him so i i've got it framed in my house and um I remember saying that I loved his Aquaman because Aquaman looks like this and he just looks really relaxed and he's kind of laughing in the picture. Mm. Just looks kind of cheery and having a good time. And Jack said it was entirely based on this book and his kind of... Uh, and he was telling me about this wonderful scene where Aquaman is just kind of reading a kids' book on how how to speak English.
1: <laughs> it is a great little scene. And, I, and Sean's take on it as well, that no, don't start with English. <laughs> it's it's Yeah, again, I think it's just wade and august in showing that they get character and these characters yeah indeed a hundred percent and um uh and
0: i i like the idea of drawing a, a kind of kinship be- between Jean and aquaman because they're both they're both outsiders to humanity and um
1: you know it, it, it seems obvious now but it, it's not something i'd ever seen kind of done before mm, yeah yeah i also love how um Barry Kitson draws massive cuffs on Jean's boots. Oh, yes. <laughs> Look at those. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Um, I want to say that Hawkeye started to end up with like massive pirate boot cuffs after a while. Yeah, um, so
1: did Captain America. Yeah, God love it. I miss them. Someone posted a uh, a picture on Twitter the other day of, of why it takes artists so much longer. You know, someone complaining, oh, why would it take artists so much longer to draw comics these days? And back in the day, they could maybe do two a month. And someone just posted a picture of Captain America's feet in the 70s with the pirate boots and then Captain America's feet in the noughties where it's like all these laces and buckles and everything. It's like, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, uh, uh, Jack
0: Kirby was an insane genius. And- yeah. We shouldn't set the industry standard based on what he could pump no, out. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, 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 John and uh, uh, kind of uh, Aquaman kind of chat, and uh, to some extent, discover that um, they both have uh, em- empathic, you know, awareness to some extent. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Aquaman is uncomfortable at the fact that they are going to a meeting. Uh, deep inland basically
1: yeah uh, so Jean offers to fly him and Aquaman can't remember the words so he says instead of thank you he says my pleasure and <laughs> they fly to Gotham city uh
0: yes uh so I mean there's no reason why uh this you know what what they are about to do wouldn't take place in Gotham City it's it's a major metropolis um not that metropolis hmm. but yeah it's it's kind of weird to see Gotham City in a different context and uh you know and not everyone to be kind of running screaming from it
1: yeah no no joker turning up and and blasting everyone with joker venom <laughs> uh it's also nice that um aquaman is not comfortable
0: at hikes and being carried which is kind of fun <laughs> And uh, um, they're joined by Green Lantern, who's like, uh, oh, hey, Aquaman, you don't look
1: comfortable. I could make you a flying surfboard if you'd like. (laughs) And Aquaman just says, wouldn't that look a bit weird? And Hal says, yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, Manhunter, do you remember where we're going? And Jean just says, well, the Flash is, is running right to it. Let's follow him. And you see this little red streak on the ground below them uh yeah and um so they're all kind of
0: grouping up and apparently um it black canary is the one who kind of set everything up whatever it is we're about to do and uh uh yeah and there is a big crowd of people and the press kind of assembled um
1: outside well i guess what looks like a like a hotel yeah and as they land uh, aquaman thinks he's relieved to be on dry land for the and then thinks never thought i'd think that And Hal says, I want to have a private chat with Black Canary, if you know what I mean. And the Flash says, well, yeah, but I wouldn't count on too much privacy as they see the crowd. And Dinah is just stood in front of the hotel, waving. And of course,
0: I think um, what we can assume is that Hal Jordan wanted to talk to um, Black Canary about um, insurance. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. It's very important to have a a decent pension plan in place. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then we, we turn the page and we get our titles as we get uh, a big 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 crowd shot of the league basically signing autographs and just kind of mingling with their adoring fans
1: yeah i love that hal is creating multiple hands at once out of his ring to sign three autographs at once and obviously barry's just signing at super speed and then someone just put a camera in jean's face he's not really signing anything and uh, yeah, Aquaman looks uncomfortable as well in the crowd. But here's our title, Group Dynamic, and then our credits. Mark Wade, Brian Augustin, Barry Kitson, Storytellers, Ken Lopez Letterer, a Pat Garrahi Colorist heroic age separations, Peter Tomasi editor. And uh yeah, uh it's basically uh we see a news
0: report and we are reminded that it's only been a week since the league kind of inadvertently founded and um and, and, you know, thwarted an alien invasion. So now everyone's really eager to see what's going on because they've they've called a press conference, basically.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we go inside and the press conference starts and Black Canary basically takes the stand and thanks everyone for coming and says, you know, you may have guessed I chose this hotel because it was the meeting site of the Justice Society of America. And Flash and Green Lantern basically start complaining, like, shouldn't she have run that by us first? What's she doing? Ah... Yeah and uh uh
0: you know if ever if ever you wanted confirmation that uh, Black Canary is a bit of a, a, a JSA superfan uh we certainly see it in this issue where um basically uh yeah she she's comparing everything they do to to the society basically um poor aquaman um is uh <laughs> uncomfortable uh, speaking to a crowd uh, and uh, she's like, "Oh, he's a regular Doctor Midnight in front of a crowd." Yeah, and houses are another JSA reference. You love these guys. And I do like. Um, I-, I want to put a pin in this PJ because we should remember. Um, so, so a reporter asks Aquaman, uh, "What about some of the older heroes, such as such as the Black Hawks or the Sea Devils? What is their place in this new age?" And Aquaman says. um, well, I, um, I'm sure that Sea Devil is a fine man. And the report uh, someone shouts, the Sea Devils is a team.
1: Uh, and will you speak up, please? You're mumbling. God, that's, that's kind of like the worst kind of fanboy, isn't it? Well, actually, actually, Sea Devils is a team, Aquaman. It's like you've never read a comic.
0: I love the idea of there being one guy in the crowd. Like, possibly the only guy on the planet who's hmm. really into the Sea Devils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frankly, I'm amazed that even, even Mark Wade remembered the sea devils existed oh,
1: mark wade's got that encyclopedic dc knowledge doesn't he I've got, pj their people would have access to scuba gear <laughs> like <laughs> their, their adventures
0: can last like 40 minutes at most before they have to return to the surface 40 minutes is plenty of time for an adventure that would tire me out <laughs> um but yeah uh there's maybe like a little bit of whispered flirting potentially going on between uh Black Canary and Green Lantern,
1: perhaps. Yeah, she she asks, it says, uh, "So you're powerless against Yellow? Does that include Blonde?" And Hal's like, "Well, actually, yes, it does." And then someone asks, uh, "Why are you here? Why are you calling this press conference?" And poor Barry, poor the Flash, he's like, "Black Canary, do you want it? Do you want to answer, Black Canary?" Oh no! And he's, then he says, "I'm afraid I didn't come prepared for questioning. I I'm not the fastest wit alive," and just thinks, "Laugh, please laugh," uh, <laughs> and um. There are times,
0: perhaps, where you do need uh, a natural showboater like Hal Jordan Mm. to take the mic. Because, yeah, like, you know, they didn't know this was the meeting site of the original GSA. Uh, They're all on the back foot a little bit. But Hal just loves the attention. So he takes the mic and basically starts um, working the crowd, basically, and just says, "Yay, you know, we're forming a team. Together we can, you know, we can use our power to battle threats too large for any one hero, even Superman. <laughs> and uh the the you know, the reporter asks, Well, do you have a name? Or are you gonna be calling yourself the new JSA? Yeah. And PJ It's the moment. They're going to say it. They're going to say the line.
1: They are. So so Flash says, Well, I like the word justice, but. And Hal agrees with him and says, Yeah, but have something with more punch. Justice League. And then Black Canary just jumps and says, Of America. Ladies and gentlemen, meet the Justice League of America. And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) Um
0: and uh flash is like oh great you know i think they will be mad we stole their name uh and howl's like oh maybe they'll just blame the blonde
1: yeah i love that he goes from one minute he's flirting with her to the next minute he's like it's her fault <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yes yeah, so, and, and then they're getting like 101 uh Uh, questions basically you know uh, you mentioned Superman have you spoken to Batman Uh, where are you headquartered Uh, are you practicing equal opportunity hiring Uh, will you operate in other nations Um, and then who should uh, stand out above the crowd but Lois Lane Uh, and uh, she gets right to the crux of it and says like you know what exactly is holding you together Uh, you know the Air Force reports
1: something about a criminal group named Locus so she's done her research. Yep, and Al says, you know, locusts is a threat, but we don't know much about them yet. As for what holds us together, I'd have to say spandex. And there's laughter from the crowd.
0: And then uh, Vicky Vale jumps in, another alliterative name. Uh, and uh, she basically says, look, the world's a bit more complex than when the JSA was around. What makes you think you can deal with the problems of today? Um and how's uh, like, well, you know, we've got power and courage. What more do you need? And it's basically <laughs>
1: like, well, how's that going to help with sociological challenges? Yeah. And then Black Canary starts to say they haven't really talked about that. And then they just get swarmed by questions. Reporters are shouting. And there's there's no, no order or decorum to this at all. So it's almost a relief when a wall explodes and the supervillains burst in. Uh, yes, indeed. Because... Um, as you know, they're rightly going like, "Wait,
0: you're the Justice League of America. Does that mean you won't interfere with other other countries?" Um, and then, uh, yeah, big explosion as you say, PJ, and gasp, it's it's them, PJ, it's it's the the Legion of um of um, badness, the, of the, doom, the bad people, and uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, Thorn is summoning surprise surprise massive vines covered in thorns uh grundy's just punching people hopefully not killing anyone uh clayface is shooting clay and eclipso is firing a big blast of black light
1: out of his eye crystal thing yeah yeah so it all it all heads to the league but Hal puts a shield up and then says Mm. good thing there's lots of innocent bystanders around and black canary says wait this isn't my fault who are these guys and uh,
0: the league uh, leap into action as the reporters start uh, running for their life, and um, I guess ha- uh, Flash uh, Barry is uh, he's culturally aware of Solomon Grundy, you know, because he, he starts doing the rhyme basically.
1: Yeah, he says, "I've read about you, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday." <laughs> he says, "But I promise you, beaten on Tuesday." So we know it's a Tuesday as well. That might be important information. Uh, Black Canary jumps on Thorn. Uh, Green
0: Lantern throws up a shield it starts tangling with Eclipso and uh, Aquaman and
1: Jean are basically getting their asses kicked by Clayface yeah yeah because he's they can't get hold of him because he's just clay and he keeps shifting his form and punching Jean and then the reporters are all leaving but Vicky Vale turns around and realises Lois Lane is staying to write a report and she's like wait hang on if she's staying so am I no way does she get an exclusive and Vicky's cameraman is a bit less keen uh yeah uh uh, solomon grundy lang's
0: uh a lucky punch on flash um which i'm gonna choose to believe is because flash is relatively new to his powers you know i feel like a flash in his prime would never get touched
1: well also at this point barry isn't as fast as he would get or wally would get you know oh They, they, they don't we don't know about the speed force yet he's just a fast guy um but he can use, he can
0: chop his hand like he can do karate chops at rapid speed to uh, slice through uh, the vines that are holding Black Canary. Yeah. And, uh, she, uh, yeah. So uh, he helps her get out and then asks uh, if uh, she can
1: take down Grundy with her scream. And she says she's never used it on a human being. She doesn't know what it'll do to him. And Flash says, "Well, he's not human. He's a creature. Just find out." And then Vicky Vale starts reporting live uh where at uh, this new battle between the justice league and she says their first battle and quite possibly their last uh
0: yeah it's a bit harsh um but uh conveniently the league uh you know their actions and potentially their failings are getting broadcast to the world hmm. because um we see that uh you know black canary she's screaming at grundy uh but as much as it hurts him he's he's still kind of lumbering forward And uh, Hal is able to um, whack uh, Eclipso in the head with a a green fist, But um, he turns his back on him, which he shouldn't do. So Eclipso uh, is about to attack him again. Uh, PJ, can you just remind me, Uh, Eclipso's got a special crystal. Yeah. And if he looks through one eye with it, it fires blackness. Yes. And if he looks through the other eye it fires cheese toasties oh wow yeah which are yellow so yeah. <laughs> uh howl's in for a bad a bad time basically
1: yeah but there's there's people watching it on the tv saying the good guys are losing and yeah eclipso manages to smash Hal into into black canary and then grundy is about to pound them both but flash gets them out of the way just in time
0: uh, yeah, and I, I have to say, I think the watching audience is being quite harsh because everyone's like, "Oh man, these heroes suck," including <laughs> Metamorpho. Oh, it's nice that Metamorpho gets a little cameo here. Yes, I'm sure he's not going to die in a plane crash. Uh, sorry, in a satellite crash. Uh, no, he'll be later. fine. Yeah, that wouldn't that would never happen to him. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Metamorpho is just one of the most thunderingly weird-looking characters you could you could ever hope to see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's here. I Actually, I've got to say, I was continually surprised in reading this book at how many
1: heroes there are who are act, actually active around this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think after Flash did well, DC did suddenly debut a lot of heroes in a very short space of time, so... The Silver Age suddenly felt very crowded and this is this is referencing that and Metamorphos watching them on TV going, Wow, I was annoyed they didn't pick me for their club, but I'm lucky because they are getting creamed. And he's also he's turned into a cage and has imprisoned a weird little robot guy who's just going, curse you, Metamorpho. You know, I'm not sure there would be a need
0: for, for two shapeshifters on the team.
1: What
0: <laughs> uh, although we have lived through an era of having both Plastic Man and John on the exactly. team. Exactly. Um speaking of shapeshifters though, PJ <laughs> I love this bit. Yeah, uh Jean uh is trying to punch at Clayface, and Clayface is like, Oh, you're completely outmatched. I could turn into anything, I could become your worst nightmare.
1: <laughs> and Jean just says, My, how frightening, try this one, and turns into this giant hulking beast with massive teeth and horns and, and green slime dripping out of its mouth and he just says it's from Mars and, and Clayface who's tiny in front of him just screams Uh yeah and uh again uh, quite a nice
0: detail which we're going to see more of uh, simply the idea that they've only been working together a week at most and nobody knows what Jean can do and Jean is forever surprising them with new powers because we see that Aquaman is like oh wow I didn't know he could do
1: that which distracts him long enough for Grundy to punch aquaman out and we we then cut back to the audience watching the jla losing and then suddenly Eclipso hits sean in the eyes to blind him and the rest of the league are trapped in thorns vines uh however
0: uh you know and and you know the the news report is basically saying like these guys suck oh they're awful look at them they're they're losing and uh but Grundy is uh is off on one and he starts ripping through the vines so that
1: he can uh he can kill kill the league. Yeah, and then we cut to someone else watching on TV and it's the Atom. And he's like, Wow, I thought I was good at this, but I've been the Atom a week and I'm gonna need a lot more training if I'm gonna be battling supervillains like these guys. A lot's happened in a week, basically, in the in the DC universe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh but yeah, uh Grundy, who of course is is not uh the most intelligent creature at the best of times, uh is is out of control, leading uh uh leading the rest of his compatriots in the Legion of um, Doom to uh try and uh contain him. And uh yeah, they've turned their backs on the heroes, basically.
1: Yeah, and it turns out that's what Green Lantern and Flash were banking on. They they managed to come up with a plan where if they got grundy to go berserk then it would he'd turn around and fight the other villains black canary says the thorn trap wasn't actually a threat just gives us a chance to regroup and flash points out well we've now got an advantage because we've got one thing going for us that they don't aquaman asks what it is and green lantern just says we're a team and uh uh
0: aquaman finds a convenient pipe Uh, A bit like Night Boat, where there's always a canal or a river. Uh, He he finds a pipe and sprays down Clayface. Um, And of course, Flash uh, instantly takes Eclipso
1: out of the picture by literally just taking the diamond out of his hand. Yeah, he taps him on the shoulder to distract him and then runs around the other side and grabs his hand and the diamond (laughs) off him. And then Hal covers his his head with a helmet so he can't see and fire his eye beams. Uh, Thorn sends some thorns flying and
0: Flash just catches them. I've got to say, like Flash is the MVP of this battle. Like yep. Flash is doing a lot of heavy lifting uh, as he uh, ties her up with her own vines, basically.
1: Yep. Yep, and Aquaman is continuing to spray Clayface who's just like a big pile of mud now. And then Jean hits him with a blast of laser vision in this issue. Not Martian vision yet, this is laser vision. Tut tut. <laughs> And then Grundy starts just just smashing the building and it's, it's going to fall down. Uh,
0: and um, thankfully, we know someone uh, uh, who's really quick uh, to rescue the reporters. So Flash, in the blink of an eye, rescues Lois Lane, Vicky Vale and their cameraman as uh, Green
1: Lantern brings the remaining heroes out in a, in a, in a bubble. Yeah, Flash system, can you pull out pull them out? There is a moment where the, the hotel comes down and Flash doesn't think they've made it and then the bubble comes out of the rubble with all four of them in it, and we cut back to T V land where people are cheering.
0: Yeah, uh and the poor, um I have to assume Concierge uh is just looking at the wreckage of his beautiful hotel. Uh appears appears sad about it. Um and uh uh, yeah, and it's the aftermath and, you know, there's there's like firefighters there. Um, apparently the villains were uh, teleported away and they didn't look happy. And um, Black Canary walks over to Flash and says, can I borrow your shoulder?
1: I need to adjust my boot. <laughs> yeah, and Flash says, well, I'm not surprised. Why do you fight in those anyway? You really ought to rethink your costume. Heels are an awfully impractical part of a battle suit. And I love this. Black Canary just says, you don't say, as she grabs the two handles on either side of Flash's cowl and just twists it round so he can't see. <laughs> and it's it's brilliantly done. But the, the art here is superb. Just that last panel of Barry not being able to see and just sort of looking, okay, fine. <laughs> it's a very cute moment. <laughs> uh, but they've got to go meet their adoring
0: public, basically. And uh, they step outside, uh, waving. Um, the crowd goes wild. Uh, and as they kind of just bask in the applause, um, they're like, uh, they, they talk to themselves, and Zhang's like, uh, well, you know, enjoy the cheers, but don't forget what we just went through.
1: Uh, you know, someone's after us. Yeah. Um, and they talk about how they're used to fighting bank robbers. This is different, so they, they've they got to get ready for any threat. And Black Canary says, well, someone's after us. Is it Locust or someone else? What does that tell us? And Hal just says that we're doing something right. And then we cut to two other men stood at the back of the crowd, who are going, "Well, that was fun, wasn't it?" Uh, 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 yes, X, uh, uh, Ted, and Alan, two regular dudes, just two watching regular the action. Dudes who aren't Wildcat and original Green Lantern. Uh,
0: yeah, and and again, like I know this is in a, a slightly kind of nebulous time period as to where this is ha- when this is happening. Um, but I'm guessing they they could be in their 50s, perhaps.
1: Yeah. You know, they don't look super old, basically. Yeah, yeah. But they say, well, it looks like we've been able to finally pass the torch. I'd say we can stay retired in good conscience. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they kind of got uh, a tacit
0: uh, secret approval from uh, the previous generation. Uh, but uh, other people are watching, PJ, including... No, it's not
1: the sea devils. Uh it's the challengers of the unknown. Yeah. We basically say, Don't worry, we're still in business and, and someone else is like, but yeah, but we might be forgotten or unknown.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the names of the challengers of the unknown, but it's like it's, yes, yes, Ke- yes, yes, Kevin, it's very clever.
1: It's <laughs> Billy Challenger, Terry Challenger. I don't know, I'm making things up now.
0: That sounds about right, doesn't it? Um <laughs> Another, no, that wasn't another Jack Kirby
1: project, was it? I can't remember. I really can't remember. I haven't read a lot of Challenges of the Unknown. Um, I remember that they got merged with Fantastic Four in amalgam and became the Challenges of the Fantastic, which was pretty cool. But
0: Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That does kind of make sense, though, because I, I think Challenges of the Unknown may have actually been an inspiration for Fantastic Four. Yeah, I Four. think
1: so. I think so.
0: Uh but then we cut to another kind of secret meeting room, of which there are many, uh as a bunch of um It's G.I. Uh, Joe. No, it's sorry. G- it's basically <laughs> yeah, a bunch of um middle aged men wearing uh very snazzy matching shirts are kind of uh going like, Oh man, a new age of heroes. Uh maybe maybe we black hawks don't fly as high as we used to were they World War II heroes as well? I think so, yeah. They yeah. basically
1: flew planes.
0: Yeah, so what what are we assuming that this is potentially, I know it's a bit nebulous PJ, but maybe like the 60s or 70s or something like that? No, I think it's supposed to be like the the late 80s. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, these guys are looking sprightly. One of them's not. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe the, you know, <laughs> these these might be new Black Hawks. It's like The Children of the Black Hawks or something. But they basically say, "Well, This is just what we needed, let's upgrade. Uh,
0: And someone else is watching, and he's not impressed, BJ.
1: Yeah, not on TV, just stood on a ledge above the hotel, he just says, unacceptable. And it's that urban myth that no one thinks exists, the Batman. Although quite why they wouldn't think he exists when we actually
0: do have costume heroes in this world. I mean I I
1: I I don't know. He's Batman's very good at controlling his own press, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well he owns the press in Gotham. So and he basically moans about they've been here less than an hour. They've already caused trouble. This is my city. I'm not sharing it with amateurs. They're not welcome here. Let them have their fun elsewhere, but I will use every resource at my disposal to keep this Justice League out of Gotham City.
0: I mean like not for nothing, like he's maybe got a point. Yeah. Uh, he's also being, you know, classic Batman,
1: bit of a dick. Yeah. What's that thing, isn't it, where later on he will be like, well, Superman, I trust you, but the rest of this league. Hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, indeed. I mean, one of the
0: nicest moments from, I think, um, uh, oh, gosh, what's it called? The, it was in the New World Order, wasn't it? New World Order, yeah. He says, uh, you know, he he can't afford to trust his life to incompetent people in costumes basically <laughs> yeah present company notwithstanding
1: yeah and and then we cut to vandal savage who's also watching tv with some locust scientists and he just goes well that was pointless uh
0: yeah nice of him to admit it um and uh you know locusts are like well you know not completely pointless we've learned a few things about you know the league their strengths and their weaknesses uh Vandal Savage goes on to say that like you know his operatives failed him and they they know the price of failure basically and also um, I'm bored of you locus you know you don't interest me I don't need you
1: so um I'm on my way I'm leaving goodbye yeah and one of the scientists said our oh, poor fool doesn't know what we're really up to and then Vandal Savage is talking to another scientist as as someone else says well he does now and a look of shock appears <sighs> on Vandal Savage's face i imagine it's quite difficult to surprise someone who's lived as long as he has yeah yeah i i you know you 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 got his
0: attention for once Hmm. um and uh we cut back to the press conference or or the the aftermath of it and uh another fun little cameo here uh uh we get a shock jock like a a kind of um real uh hard-hitting inflammatory reporter called jack Ryder. From, from Wham TV. <laughs> um, he's basically like uh, blindsiding the league and thrusting a microphone into Jordan's face. And he's basically like, you shattered a hotel. You endangered bystanders. You
1: traumatized the city. What's so super about that? You jerk. Yeah. Yeah. He's continuing his questions. But then suddenly his microphone is shattered as it's hit by an arrow. An green arrow. <laughs>
0: Who was also in Gotham City. I guess he got the bus or something. Yeah. Or, the, or the arrow plane. <laughs> the the arrow car. The, or was, it, was it the arrow car or the arrow mobile? I can't remember. Isn't there a great... I've seen like a uh, uh, an image from a, a Green Arrow costu, uh, comic where he invites someone back to the Arrow Cave and the person goes, Why wouldn't you call it the Quiver?
1: And he just goes oh, damn it, that's really good. (laughs) I I also... There's a moment in the Kevin Smith run on Green Arrow where he's just come back from the dead and he's talking to Batman and he talks about... In one sentence, he talks about his arrow car and the arrow cave and Batman just goes, my God, man, the arrow car, the arrow cave. Did you have an original thought in your entire life? (laughs) And then Green Arrow just gives a look to camera. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but Green Arrow...
0: um... Who is very cool as a cucumber, I would say. <laughs> just kind of turns up. He's like, hey, hey, so I'm here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not impressed, but I'm not disappointed. You know, he's got that kind of attitude of, you know, hey. Just came need. to say he's,
1: hi. Just came to say hi. I'm just chilling. I'm cool. And then he's like, uh, oh, this I've, I found this guy as well. This guy wants to talk to you too. Do you know him? <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, and he kind of pushes
0: forward like uh, uh, an older man wearing a suit. Looks very formal. Uh, who says, um, my name is Simon Carr, and
1: I am the future. That's pretty cool. And as Jack Ryder has a go at Green Arrow, threatening him with a lawsuit, and Green Arrow says, well, as long as it just threatens him with a suit, I'll bring suit against you. And Arrow says, as long as it's not the one you're wearing, who's your tailor, the Joker? Oh. Because Green Arrow's snarky, (laughs) and I love it.
0: (laughs) And uh, meanwhile, uh, Simon Carr, man in a suit, man of a plan, just uh, shakes hands with Green Lantern and basically says, "I represent a very wealthy man who wants to aid your cause. He wishes to remain anonymous, but you would inc- but you would recognize his name instantly. He, like yourselves, is a bit of a crusader these days." Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, he basically says, "Look, look, I've been hired
1: to fulfill your every need as a team." Yeah. And as Jack Ryder storms off saying he's going to nail Green Arrow for this and Arrow says, you need a hammer, use your head. Uh, and then turns around to rejoin the league as, as Carr is telling them that they'll basically get equipment, funding, a headquarters. Just They just need to ask. Uh, yeah, and um, he says, I've even gone as far as
0: contacting an inventor on your behalf. Um, he's located in Chicago. He's young,
1: but he's very bright. And then we get the first meeting of Green Arrow and Black Canary. And, oh, dear. He, yes. he asks her if she caught the size of his shaft. And she says, keep it in your quiver, trick shot. Thinks jerk and he thinks score. That's a shame. Yes. Uh, at least she
0: thinks he's a jerk. Yeah. She's not wrong. Yeah. Uh And then uh, uh, Simon Carr holds out uh, a business card and says, uh, you know, in reference to this uh, young inventor, He's expecting your call. Here's his card. And it says Ted Cord of Cord Industries. To be continued. It's Blue Beetle, PJ. Not yet. It's not. Not yet. It's not. Oh, no. Sorry. Spoilers. Uh, but yeah, uh, every, it's all connected, PJ. But I wonder who this mysterious benefactor is. Sounds like it might be Bruce Wayne. It could be Bruce Wayne, couldn't it? It does certainly, certainly sounds like you know a wealthy man who's a bit of a crusader. And, you know, that would be a good
1: way to keep them out of Gotham, <laughs> to pay Actually, them to be it elsewhere. Re- it really would be. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs>
0: uh, but there we go, PJ. That was issue two uh, of JLA year one. So I guess JLA year 1.2, perhaps. <laughs> uh, group dynamic. That episode actually had a title. That issue it, had a title. It
1: did. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Weirdly, issue two, I think it's all done very well, but it feels more like set up than issue one does.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's, um, I enjoyed it too. It's a fun little story. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's framed around a gimmick, but quite an effective one. Mm. Literally like we're holding a press conference. We have cameras assembled, uh, It goes to heck, and yeah, if you've got a camera present, then the whole world gets to see. Um, so yeah, I don't know, just a a
1: simple little story told well, I think. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And what I like as well is reading it now, knowing what's coming, there is a lot of subtle things in this issue that pay off later. That I'm not going to spoil in case you're reading (laughs) along with us and you haven't read the rest of the series yet, but. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff in here that that in later issues gets gets its gets its payoff and is done really well. It's 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 it feels like they'd almost written all twelve issues before anything came out.
0: Yes, I have to say, I was I was impressed at, um, you know, it's not kind of like earth shattering, but I'm I was kind of impressed at how much this clearly was all planned out. I, I, you know, obviously, which becomes more relevant as the story goes on. But I guess I shouldn't really expect anything less from a Wade-related project.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um. Yes. I mean, gosh, I. You know, it, it's, it's daft. I don't. I don't want to sell it short, but there's almost not too much to say. It's just a. It's just a nice little story. It, yeah. It has. It. It feels very. Um, this issue in particular feels very silver agey.
1: Yes, agreed, agreed. I think the presence of all these Silver Age characters, your cameos from The Atom and, and Green Arrow in his original costume, uh the appearances from the Challenges of the Unknown and the Black Hawks as well. It's it's and the villains that they fight and the way they're just sort of you know, back in the day villains would just show up, you'd fight them and then they'd leave. So yeah, it's it's all very silver age in execution and, and I love that. I think it's great. The um yeah, cause cause sometimes like a lot of um
0: when they do uh whenever like say Marvel or DC does a, a a retelling or a a flashback or you know they'll revisit uh like an old story but tell it in a modern sense yeah um I mean uh we mentioned it but the uh, uh Joe Casey uh, Scott Collins Avengers one uh Earth's Mightiest Heroes yeah um. It, it does a lot, it, it does it in a very modern, what am I trying to say? It, you never really know what era it's taking place in. Like mm. it feels old, but it also feels kind of like, oh, they're, they're, they're doing it in a, an agnostic kind of way that makes you think like this could be the 90s. Yeah. Um. This, uh. It, it, I, I really like how they do it, but it, it definitely feels like, it feels like a cuter, simpler world in a way. Like, some of the hairstyles and stuff are more modern, but it does feel a bit more like this could be a 60s story. Like, if they'd drawn the characters a certain way and not changed any of the dialogue, I would think, oh, this is a period piece. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just cuter, in a way.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, exactly. And full of fun moments. You get a little bit of Batman. Everyone loves a little bit of Batman. And... Yeah, but also still sort of seeding and setting up the rest of the series. So, you know, you, I can't, you can't really complain. I would be fascinated to know
0: when... um, When, when did uh, Martian vision become a thing as opposed to heat vision?
1: Yeah, or laser vision or vision... Vision, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and if that is the case, why did... Why did they
0: change it? If if indeed there was an editorial decision, because I, I think it's kind of standard, or I, I say now, there's been two reboots since then, but like, I think it was kind of standard that Jean had, as we say, Martian vision, a force-based blast mm. out of his eyes, not exclusively heat vision. And I I do wonder if it was maybe because they were like, if Martians are scared of fire, it kind of, doesn't make as much sense if they can generate heat out of their eyes, perhaps?
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. It's probably, I'm probably reading far too much into this. I think maybe he can just fire anything out of his eyes, and that's why they ended up calling it Martian vision, and then it just covered whatever he needed to do. Oh, so he could do the cheese, toastie vision he could well, do the cheese toasty vision as well. the cheese toasty vision. It just comes um, under the blanket term of Martian vision. Well, I, I, I mean, at this point, PJ, is, is there much more to say about it? Um, no, I think I'm I'm just just happy to be revisiting it, and I'm looking forward to the next issue because it's got a brilliant genre moment. Well, uh, yeah, same here. I I
0: I enjoy because again, not as familiar with this series as you are, but I I read it, you know, for research, and I read it again for this episode, hmm. and I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed it the first time round. I'm enjoying it even more the second time round. Like it's, I don't know, it's not going to win any awards for entirely turning the medium of comic book storytelling on its head but it's it's sometimes just really nice to read a a straightforward story told really well yeah
1: like yeah yeah all the creators working on top of their game it's a damn good story yep yeah. yeah it really is and actually one thing i do like about this series is how it builds it's that's already starting but it, it builds up to something and yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to, to dive into the rest of it. Indeed. Well, on that note, PJ, um, is there anything else you'd like to shout about? Uh no, because I can't remember when this episode's coming out, and therefore I don't know where I am in the world.
0: Oh, that is an that is an excellent point, PJ. Yes, because we are we'd we'll be good. We're building up a backlog because yeah. um it's gonna be a busy a busy May. Week, yes. Various things. I, I'm gonna be heading out to a couple of conventions and stuff. Actually, actually three in a row which is going to be it's going to be fun that's a lot of conventions and also pj is doing something much much more worthwhile and fulfilling with his time which is, of course
1: is playing uh tears of a kingdom i am doing that i'm a bit annoyed that you've taken me away from it this morning to be honest john But <laughs> <I'm> so sorry <laughs> um
0: nick got hold of his copy on friday and uh, I and I saw that you posted that you'd received yours as well. And I was like, well, I am never going to see or speak to these two people ever again because uh, they have a better thing in their life now.
1: No, exactly. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, it's not, I can't play it as much as I've played previous Zelda games because, you know, baby. But I am introducing him to Zelda. And I think these formative years of his, this is the best time to do it. Oh, exactly. No, you're you're doing you're doing excellent work, PJ. No, no, no one can complain. I do hope you get some sleep at some point as well. I'd love that. Yes, please. Someone said the other day, parenting is simultaneously the best and worst thing you can ever do, and I get that. <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine,
0: and I'm I'm very happy to support you from afar, vicariously. So yeah, good good for you, PJ. Pat on the back. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, um. On that note, maybe I should say a massive
1: thank you to Gav Mitchell for drawing our incredible cover artwork. And to Elliot Redd for composing and performing our amazing theme tune, Justice. And if we really have exhausted
0: this avenue of pleasure, he said, pausing for comics or questions. Avenue. No, I guess we're good. Uh, PJ, this has been a pleasure. Would you please see us off in your own unique fashion? I need sleep.